0: New Year Heights Church family. Welcome to 2021. Uh, Excited to move into a new year. For those of you joining us online, thanks so much for gathering with us. Uh, Man, I'm excited to dive in. For those of you who are new, uh, my name is Corbin. I'm one of the pastors here and just really, really excited to step into a new year and see what Jesus has for you individually this year and us together as a church family. Before we dive in uh, to our time, today is going to be a little bit different um, because we're going to move into a time of prayer on the back end. So we're putting, we're intentionally putting the teaching on the the very, very front of our service. So I know this feels a little bit weird uh, because it's like, I just walked in here and Corbin's already yelling at me. Uh, So I'm sorry you don't really get to take a deep breath and sing a couple songs. I'm just coming in hot with the word, uh, but it's because we're going to spend some intentional time singing and praying and begging God uh, to come and bless our year and bring renewal uh, individually and corporately this year. Before we dive in, I just want to encourage you in one thing, um, and it's around the word reconnection. Um, Last year, you don't need me to tell you this, was a year of deep disruption for everybody. All of our rhythms were all messed up, and it left a lot of us feeling really isolated and lonely. And so as we step into a new year, I just want to encourage you to reconnect uh, with Jesus' community. Church. We're going to be trying to do a really good job in the next few weeks of giving you really clear pathways um, to be connected to the life of the church so that you can grow. We believe that renewal and growth happens in community, and even though we're moving into 2021 and things aren't going to feel that different yet in terms of how we're gathering as a church, uh, we believe that we still need to press to be connected to Jesus's community. So uh, here in a couple weeks, actually, uh, two weeks, get in a group Sunday so that everybody, whether you've been tracking with us for for a long time and you need to get reconnected or you're new around here joining us online we want to help you get connected to a community group so that you can experience life in community. So that's coming in two weeks. So be looking for that. We'll kick off all of those groups three weeks from the, three weeks from today. That's January twenty fourth. So we've got a lot of stuff uh, on the radar. So be looking for that. Reconnect, reconnect, reconnect. Let's do life into community and commit to being here, whether that's online or here in the room uh, and in a uh, small group of community group in the coming year. Cool. Awesome. Excited to move into this. Well, we are calling this year the Year of Renewal. That's going to be our theme as a church family this year. We're asking God to come and give us fresh, new life. And I don't know about you, uh, but after the decade that we lived through last year, it felt like a decade, it's supposed to be a joke, let's laugh a little bit. After the decade we lived through last year, Rough crowd, rough crowd, new year, trying to settle in. Uh, Man, I feel like I need more than anything God to come and meet me and give me fresh new life. And fresh new vigor. Uh, here's a little definition of renewal. This is just from Merriam-Webster. They define renewal like this, to make like new, restore freshness and vigor. As a church family, this is what we're pressing into both individually and together this year. This is the year of renewal. Now, I'm so excited in the next few weeks to like unpack all of our plans for that, and unpack what renewal is according to the scriptures, and how we're going to strategize for it, and all of this, and organize for it, and all of that in the coming year. But here's something we need to get straight right out of the gate when it comes to renewal. It's this reality. We believe that we can't renew ourselves. Like, as we start to kick off the year of renewal and talk about fresh new life, Man, we need to be clear that we believe that we can't renew ourselves. We need God to come and meet us and bring us into a season of refreshment, a season of revival, and a season of renewal. We believe at the core of this that we can't, without God, we can't strategize renewal, we can't organize renewal, we can't force renewal. We need God to come and renew us. So we want to kick this year off on this Sunday, the first Sunday of the year, with a Sunday of begging, where we're going to look at a prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, and I'm going to unpack a few ideas and movements from this prayer in Ephesians chapter 3. And then on the back end, Jace is going to come, and he's going to lead us in a time of asking God to unfold Ephesians chapter 3 in our year. If you've been tracking with us for a while, you'll know that you know that Ephesians 3 is a really special prayer for our church family. Um, we actually, the very first time the Heights Church met, uh, about five years ago in mine and my wife Allie's apartment, we prayed this prayer from Ephesians chapter 3, and it's actually kind of the foundation of our church. And so at the first Sunday of every year, we just want to come back and we want to keep on keeping on begging God to unfold these realities in our lives individually, in our life as a church. So here's how this is going to work. First, I'm going to unpack five renewing movements that we see in Ephesians chapter 3. Uh, five renewing movements that we see in Ephesians chapter three. I'm going to walk through these movements. I'm going to unpack them. I'm going to try to show you, show them to you and show them why I think they're really good things for us to ask God to do as we kick off a new year. And then Jace is going to come with a band and we're going to pray these things corporately out loud, put some prompts on the screen to lead us in a time of prayer. For those of you joining us online, I believe that on our website somewhere, you can go and find it, there is a guide that will lead you through this as well. um, And I'm excited Excited to dive into these. You guys ready for this? Are you ready to dive into five renewing movements from Ephesians 3? Cool, let's do it. Renewing movement number one, from self-sufficient weakness to spirit-filled power. The first thing we're asking God to do this year is move us from self-sufficient weakness to spirit-filled power. Look at verses 14 through 16 with me. They say this. We'll put these up on the screen. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Now here's where he starts to ask God for these five things. I pray that he may grant you, according to the riches of his glory, here's the key line, to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. Every day when I wake up, I typically wake up believing a terrible lie about how life with Jesus works. And I think if you're anything like me, you're going to be in the same boat. Here's the lie that we typically believe. Here it is. For us, for Jesus to love us, and Jesus to do great things in our lives, and Jesus to do great things through our lives, we have to first get our crap together and be really impressive. And after we get our crap together and become really impressive, God will kind of look down from his throne and go, Wow, that's a really impressive person. I think that I can work with that. We think that this is how life with Jesus works. But in fact, if you pay attention to the very first thing Paul prays in Ephesians chapter 3, the reality of life with Jesus is the exact opposite. The very first thing he prays is for weak people to be given power from the Holy Spirit. So here's what that means really practically as we move into this new year. I don't know about you, but every every year during this time, I like spend the last 3 days of the year kind of getting my life together and organized. And I feel like there's all of this pressure to kind of like set your goals and get your rule of life in order if you're a trend, if you're a trendy evangelical. And it's like really there's a lot of pressure to get your resolutions, whatever your things are. And it's like I feel this pressure every year. And I, they're good things and I participate in them and all this but I feel this pressure to kind of like get my life together so that I can have a plan to move into the new year and flourish but this 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 year this year as I kind of like wrapped up my year one of the things that I was feeling is like I just kind of feel like I'm hobbling into this new year like last year beat me up if I'm honest, we basically replanted this church about 50 times, and changed our whole, if you've been tracking with the Heights, and you're not new, it's like, we did five different things in like six months, because we were like, how do we adjust, and all of this, and I just like, at the end of the year, I just felt completely exhausted, and so when it came to getting my act together, like we typically do at the end of the year, and moving into this new year, I just felt myself, felt like I was like, kind of like I needed some crutches to get into the new year, you know? It's like, I just felt like I had been beat up. But as I was studying this passage, it was so relieving to me because one of the things we see is that if you feel weak, if you feel like you're hobbling into the new year, if you feel inadequate for what this year holds and your job and your relationships and all of those things, That is actually the perfect position to be in to receive Holy Spirit power. That's why, this is why um, Paul over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 says this wild thing about weakness and power. Look at this. This is wild. Okay, he says this over in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, He is God here. But God said to me, My grace is sufficient for you. Let me just stop right there. Do you believe that God's grace is sufficient for you? Not just in a general sense, like God is gracious, but that God's grace is sufficient for your situation. Your job thing that you feel like nervous and anxious about your relationship thing that's kind of like broken and you're not sure how it's going to work out. My grace is sufficient for you. And it says this, For my power is perfected in weakness. God says this, My power is perfected in weakness. So Paul responds and says this, Therefore, if God's power is perfected in weakness, therefore, I will most gladly boast all the more about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may reside in me. Now watch this. I don't know if you've ever talked this way about your weaknesses, but we've got to start talking this way about our weaknesses. Look at this. So I take pleasure in weaknesses. Whenever I butt up against my own insufficiency and inadequacy, the last thing I'm typically going to say is, I take pleasure in this weakness. (laughs) It's like, no! What do I want to do? I want to go, well, how the heck do I strategize myself out of this weakness? This is terrible. Watch this. He says this. So I take pleasure in, go to the next one, insults. What's your response when somebody insults you? You don't know my response. This is just me being really blunt. My response is to get the email of an insult, of somebody insulting my teaching or whatever, and then I walk straight over to Jonathan's office, and I go, can you believe that they said that about me? They don't even know what they're talking about. And then I, like, rant to Jonathan, and he goes, calm down, and he calms me down, and I go, you're right, I shouldn't have told you that, and all that stuff. Like, this is what we do with insults right? We puff up. But Paul goes, if Jesus' power is perfected in weakness, when somebody insults me, what am I going to do? I'm going to respond this way. Oh, buddy, you don't even know the first of how bad I am. You don't even know the first of how weak I am. I take pleasure in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, Then I am strong. Now, let me just tell you something about these verses, real quick. These are the kinds of verses that sound good in church but don't feel good. You guys know those kinds of verses? Where it's like, yeah, yeah, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And then you get out there in the real world and you go, when I'm weak, I get mad. Maybe you just need to hear this. I really struggle with this. One of the things that God has taught me this year, in last year, is that it really is okay to be weak and not try to be strong. That it really is okay for me to come before him with all of my weaknesses and all of my anxieties and just set them out there before him and be done and say in all of these things that I feel too weak to do in all of these things that I feel so anxious about I need you to give grace and power and wisdom and that's enough. Done. Pray. Move on. Amen. I I if you want these stories, I just have a couple of stories from last year when I just the church I'm just going to tell you. Last February, the church, this church was cooking baby. Here's what I mean by that. This thing, people were coming to know Jesus here. New people were coming all the time. This thing was growing like crazy. The first Sunday we shut it down, we had 55 people signed up for our new members class. Now we, don't even have, we can't even have 55 people in this room. And guys, this thing just got rocked. Do you know what that means for me? That means I got rocked. That's what it means. It means that our staff got rocked. We knew how to run it all. We knew how to like I knew how to get up here and go, here's a great Bible teaching. Da 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 da. Oh. Sufficiency. And then people came. And then they like trusted Jesus. And then Corona, coronavirus came and it's gone. And like I remember us getting together being like, what are we gonna do? And us going, We don't know. We had a meeting two weeks ago. We're like, what are we gonna do for small groups? They're still saying we can't be and you know how we ended that meeting? We don't know. We don't know. But over and over again in the middle of all of that, God has just showed up and been so faithful. The church is still alive. In person and online. It's thriving. His grace and power really is perfected in weakness. We just figured out, we just just can't strategize this thing. And so the first movement that we're asking God to do this year, and I feel like he's been working on me and our staff, and he's working on you, is to move us from self-sufficient weakness to true, holy spirit of God power in this year. And it's like, that's what we want to see. Not us, like, pretending, like, coming in here and going, I'm so weak, oh, and then we go out there and live like we don't need God. But, like, we really need And he'll come through. Like he just does. Maybe not in the way we think. But he's so faithful. Second renewing movement. I could talk about that forever. Anyways, we've got to move on. Second renewing movement. That we move from self-directed lives to Jesus-directed lives. That we would move from self-directed lives to Jesus-directed lives. Let's look at verses 16 and 17. We'll focus in on verse 17 here. So he prays first, I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit. Now here's the second thing he prays, verse 17. And that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Okay, here's the question we should ask about a line like that. What in the world does that mean? I don't know if you like, it's like, If you're just reading your Bible, and you come across a line like that, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And then you think about it. What does that mean? What is my heart? And what would it mean for Jesus to take up residence and make his home in it? Those are the questions we've got to answer. The theologian and philosopher Dallas Willard One of my favorite writers, he's really influenced me in the last year, Uh, calls our hearts, this is the best definition in my opinion of the heart, the executive center of the self. (laughs) That's a funny definition. Your heart is the executive center of the self. This This is what the Bible means when it says heart. So if, I, if some of you are in business, and this will be helpful to you, if I were to put this in business terms, the heart, your heart, when the Bible says heart, is like the founder and CEO, COO, CFO, and board of directors of your life. Like your heart, according to the Bible, controls everything everything about your life it controls your desires your passions what you get excited about what makes you anxious and finally it controls your actions this is what the bible means by your heart okay now that we understand what a heart is what is paul praying right there in verse 17 he's praying that jesus would make his home in the executive center of the self what does that mean Well, he's praying that Jesus and his way would sit at the control center of our lives. That Jesus would direct our lives rather than us directing our lives. That Jesus would get the final say in every decision that we make in life. That Jesus would reign over our emotions. That Jesus would reign over our passions. That what makes Jesus excited makes us excited. What gets Jesus down gets us down. That Jesus would sit in the executive center of the self. That Jesus would get his way in all of life. This is why I love Dallas Willard's definition of salvation and discipleship. He calls salvation and
1: discipleship, the renovation of the heart. <laughs> movement from insecurity
0: to deep security in God's immense love. Renewing movement. Number three, that we're praying for our church, that we would be a church that moves from insecurity to deep security in God's immense love. This one's probably my favorite one, just FYI. Look at the last part of verse 17. He prays this. Third thing, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established, there's the security element. In love, with all the saints, what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love? And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge.
1: Okay, these three verses...
0: Praise that God would give us the ability to receive His love. I don't know if you've ever had this experience, and this is a little bit weird because it's letting you into the inner dynamics of my heart and mind. And so I don't know if this is with you, but I don't know if you ever feel this way. Like you read a verse like this, and you read, and you read a verse in the Bible, or you read another verse in the Bible about God's love. And you're like, okay, I know the Bible says that God loves me. And I'm really trying to believe that God loves me. But I feel like I can't believe that and I can't experience it. You ever feel like that? That's a weird thing to describe. Uh, But you feel like that. It's like, I know I'm supposed to believe this, but I can't believe it. Do you know why that's true? The reason you feel that way and the reason I feel that way is because in our flesh... Left
1: to ourselves, we are not able to believe that God loves us. The ability to believe that God loves me. And so in my experience, I I want to believe it. I want to believe it. Oh, well, and I move. I love the way that
0: uh, Dane Ortlund, in his book Gentle and Lowly, one of the best books that I read last year, he describes our experience of God's love like this. He says this, perhaps, as believers today, we know God loves us. We really believe that. But if we were to more closely examine how we actually relate to the Father moment by moment, which reveals our actual theology, whatever we say we believe on paper, many of us tend to believe it is a love
1: with He loves us,
0: but it's a flustered love. We see him looking down on us with paternal affection, but slightly raised eyebrows. How are they still falling short so much after all
1: I've done for them? We picture him. I don't know about you. That's my common experience with God.
0: And this is why Paul prays right here for God to come and give us the ability to know God's love. Pay attention to this in verse 18. He literally prays this. keyword: able. I'm praying that you may be able to comprehend God. Watch this. Power of God to give us the ability to comprehend the love of God. We need God somehow, by his Holy Spirit, this is Romans chapter 5, to come and dump fresh measures of the love of God into our hearts. Otherwise, we are sunk and we'll walk around with our, the, the shoulders of our soul drooped, believing that God, yeah, I guess he loves me, but it's a disappointed, flustered love. And that's not the kind of love that God has for you. And so Paul prays, I'm praying that you would have the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to know how much God loves you. Third movement, from insecurity to deep security in God's immense love. We're going to be praying that in just a few minutes. God, would you show us, would you give us fresh, fresh ability to see it displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. God, come and do this, do this thing for us from insecurity to deep security in God's immense love. Renewing movement number four. From religious mediocrity to divine fullness. We're praying that God would move us from religious mediocrity into divine fullness. So far, Paul has prayed three things for the church in Ephesus. He's prayed for fresh power in the Holy Spirit... True discipleship to Jesus in all of life, that Jesus would sit at the control center of our lives. And deep security in the, in the love of God. And then finally, in the fourth ask, he shows us the reason he's asking for all of these things. Look at verse 19 with me. It says this. So that, there's the purpose clause. I've asked for those three things so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Just read that a couple times. Give you a little time. I'm just going to repeat this so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Filled with all the fullness of God. Imagine what your life would look like if God answered that prayer. What if God filled you with all the fullness fullness of God? My headset didn't work, and I get to use this today, and I love it. Imagine what our church would look like this year, if we rolled up in here
1: and we were like, you know what I'm living for? I'm living for that filled with the fullness of God, baby. Imagine what could happen, the change, the
0: real change that could happen in our city in the coming year if all of us prayed this prayer and God answered it. Filled with all the fullness of God. Greatest concerns for this church, as I try my best to be a part of leading it, is that we will settle for some sort of like half-baked religious mediocrity where no real change actually happens. Where we like go through the religious motions because we think God will be happy with us if we do. So we show up to church. We sing the songs we listen to the teacher do their little song and dance we go oh that was nice we sing a little bit more we go home we go to our community group we smile we try to be nice we're thankful for it because we have we have friends and we're not lonely in the city but our lives don't actually change we just stay the freaking same that is a nightmare that's a nightmare guys guys that's not what God has. That's not what God has for us. What I'm praying for our church this year is that we individually and we corporately would step into the fullness of God's intentions for our lives, that we would gather here and experience the dynamic, real presence of God. That we would learn to actually obey Jesus rather than obeying ourselves and living however we want. That we would identify our unique spiritual gifting, our unique spiritual calling, and we would be sent as renewal machines into our city. And that our city would change for the better because we get together. Because we belong to this thing called the Heights Church. Guys, we want to ask God that he would move us from religious mediocrity into divine fullness. Renewing movement number five. Renewing movement number five. Asking God to move us from weak faith to overcoming faith. A movement from weak faith to overcoming faith. Here's what I'm aware of, is those of you joining us online and in the room. As I unpack things like this prayer from Ephesians 3, it's really easy to sit there and receive this teaching with a whole lot of like hardship in your heart. Like, this sounds good, but I'm not quite sure God can actually do that in my life. I'm not quite sure God can actually do that in the life of our church that feels so broken down and so disjointed right now. I'm not really sure that God can actually pour out renewing power in the Holy Spirit into our city where we see hundreds of people saved, thousands of people saved. I'm not quite sure that can happen. And one of the reasons we hear these kinds of things and we kind of think they're too good to be true is because we have an enemy that wants us to settle for religious mediocrity. That wants to make us think that God can't still do great things in our life and through our life. That we're not good enough or whatever. So what Paul does is he ends this prayer with some power, baby. And he shakes all of that doubt and all of that unbelief out of us. And he says, no, no, no. God can't still do great things. Look at the end of this prayer. This is wild. Verse 20. So I'm praying those four things now. To him who is able. I love that contrasted with our inability to believe God's love. His ability to do all things. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think. According to the power that works in us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Guys, the groups of people... that see God do great things. Personally, like individually in your life, and corporately, are not full of cynics and skeptics that always point out all the problems. In fact, if you're cynical or skeptical, you're not going to find a home here because we want to believe God can still do great things. The groups of people that see God do great things are groups of people who settle it in their spirit that the same God who we see in the Bible split the Red Sea, the same God that we see in the Bible pour out his power in the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost, the same God that we see save lost people and heal sick people, that same God is the same God that's alive today and we can see him do it again. We really can. We really can. And so guys, listen, we're going to ask in a few minutes that God would move us from being people of weak faith. We believe faith is not something we muster up. It's a gift from God. And so we're going to ask God to move us from weak faith into being people of overcoming faith. An example of this would be Joshua in the Old Testament. I don't know if you know the story of Joshua, but one of the things that I've been praying for our church as we move into the new year is that we would be a church full of Joshua's. Here's the story of Joshua. Joshua was appointed as the leader of God's people to take them into the promised land. They came out of uh, uh, slavery in Egypt, and they were wandering in the wilderness, and God appointed Joshua to take over for Moses and lead them into the promised land. And so they organized this this group of spies and send this group of spies to spy out the promised land to see kind of like what's our strategy need to be to to take the people of God into the promised land. And this group of spies comes back, and all of the spies come up with all of the reasons that God could never bring them into the promised land. It's like excuses and fears and the people are giants and there's no way. Look at how weak we are. But Joshua alone has overcoming faith and he goes, no, God can do this. And it's like, man, I just want us to be a church of Joshua's who goes, man, I know that it appears like we're broken down, but we still believe that God can do great things if we'll ask. And here's just where I'm at, guys. And I'll talk a lot about this next week as I kick off um, a lot of our plans from the scriptures for the year of renewal. If you pay attention to the story of God's people throughout the story of the Bible and throughout church history, Times of renewal and revival always come on the heels of times where the people of God have been broken down. 100% of the time. And there's been a few times in the last year where I genuinely have wondered. In 2018, we cried out for revival and renewal a whole lot. And I wonder if God needed to break us down a little bit to prepare us for it. Guys, the breaking down has happened. And as we move into this new year, I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how we're going to get together as a church. I don't, know, I don't know what our small... But I'm just believing that times of renewal are coming. This is the story of God's people breaking down only to experience renewal And revival each week this year we're going to end with a practice for the week the conviction behind this uh, is that we don't only want this to be a place where you come and hear like inspirational bible teaching and go "Oh, that was nice and then like leave we want to be a place where we gather together to truly learn to obey jesus and so each week on the back end of the teaching i'm going to give you a practice and we want you to use throughout the week to help you obey jesus uh, in life so this week's practice is this we'll put it up here on the screen that this week you would read Ephesians three fourteen through 20 each day and pray one of these five prayers over yourself, over our church family, over the city. We actually have a guide that we're putting together that we'll release tomorrow in the, uh, in the weekly update. So sign up for our emails. Fill out a connect card if you don't have that. We'll also put these on social media. We'll be leading us through praying these as a church collectively through our social media platforms. So make sure to follow us on social media. And we're going to lean in and ask God to move in power. For the remainder of our time, Jace and the band are going to lead us through a time of praying these five things. We're going to take each one of these. We're going to pray them out loud collectively. Jace will show you how to do that, so don't get real nervous. We're not going to call on anybody to do anything. Um, We're going to pray these out loud collectively, and then we're going to put some prompts on the screen. We'll sing as well, and just ask God to do these five things. So let me pray for us, and then we'll move into our time of response. Jesus, we believe that you're alive. We believe that there are things that you will not do in our life and in the life of our church and the life of our city until we ask. Otherwise, you wouldn't have given us the gift of prayer. And so on the back end of this service, we just want to come And we want to cry out. We want to cry out that you would move in our midst, that this truly would be a year of renewal in the life of our church. We want to sit before you and meditate on these scriptures that you've given us in Ephesians 3 and beg you. We need fresh power in the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit come and minister to us. Give us us an awareness of your presence. We want to learn to obey you Jesus in all of life. The scripture that's coming to my mind right now is Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. We want to take your yoke. We want to learn your way, Jesus. We want you to sit at the executive center of the self and have full control over our whole lives. We want fresh ability to comprehend the magnitude of your love. We realize that your love is not just this subjective love, it's an objective love displayed for us on the cross. You loved us enough to die for us so that our sins could be forgiven and we could be welcomed into new life with you. So give us fresh ability to receive your love and live securely out of it.